You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. All right, so we're back on the book of Acts, and I am enjoying this journey. I hope you are. Uh, Today we're going to learn some stuff. Uh, Some of us are, and like this is some of the stuff that's the most fun to get to preach, to get to think through, to get to study, because we are learning about the rise of the church. And so let me just remind you guys where we left off last week, and it's Acts 1-4, and it says this. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, and this is Jesus. Well, remember, this is Jesus resurrected, okay? He's not a hologram. It's not just like a, a ghost. He is resurrected. He has a body. He showed Thomas the scars in his hand, and he's eating with people. So he's resurrected. He's walking around. On one occasion while he's eating with them, with his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For you, for you, it says, for, for John baptized with water... But in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, and this is important, guys, that we're going to hit this today. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll give my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so let, 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 let's jump in what's going on here. The disciples are, are, are pumped up. They're getting ready. They're sitting with a resurrected Savior. And he said, listen, I'm going to go away, but don't worry. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so then they go back to this little upper room. And if any of you guys have seen The Chosen, uh, I'm not going to say it's like 100% biblically accurate, but it does a great job of giving you some context. So imagine like a little, uh, any, y'all have been to the Heifer Project? All right, they got these little kind of like grass huts. It's, it's a small kind of clay, and they're on the roof is what's going on. And so you've got some guys, and they're up on the roof of this little thing, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. And, and they have some expectation of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week, the Ruach. Remember, Ruach. Remember, y'all want to try to say it again? Anyone? Ruach. There you go. The breath of God. These guys have the Old Testament memorized. They know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, Deuteronomy. They got those books memorized. So they are, they're expecting something. They're expecting an encounter with the Spirit. They knew the promises of God. But I'm willing to bet that what they're about to receive is not what they expected. And wouldn't it be just like God to be different than they wanted, but better? And so what's about to happen is just so cool. And so so let's... This is, this is a moment called Pentecost, okay? This may be one of, this is one of the most beautiful turning points in the Bible, and we got to get this. we got to understand. So Acts 2.1, it says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Okay, so, so Pentecost is this thing. Uh, this wasn't the first. Pentecost isn't the day the Holy Spirit showed up. Pentecost is one of the three Jewish festivals that they celebrated over and over and over for years and years and years. They had Passover which they celebrated. They had something known as the Feast of Tabernacles. I love that word so much. Say it. It feels good. Tabernacle. Go ahead, everybody. Tabernacle. Like that. Tabernacle. Doesn't it just feel good? Tabernacle. All right. So they had, they had Passover. They had the Feast of Tabernacle. And then, and then they've got this thing called uh, Pentecost. And what Pentecost was for the Jewish people was God led the nation of, of Israel out of Egypt on Passover. That's when they left Egypt. When they arrived at Mount Sinai, it was 50 days later 
And so Pentecost means 50 days later. And so this Feast of Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. So they've been celebrating this for forever. So they're all together in one place. This famous Jewish feast, this big party is about to happen. And and then it gets a little interesting. Check this out in verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, well, that's different, right? That's interesting. It says that tongues of fire, and this doesn't mean they were fired up. Like, there, there's fire in the room. Okay, there's, there's something interesting happening. And one of the things, throw that verse back up there for me if you don't mind. One of the things it says is it was a sound like a violent wind. A violent wind. Violent. Like, don't, don't think violent meant peace back then. Like, I think sometimes we try to make church such a pleasant experience for everyone. You know, we're going to have two air-conditioned gatherings, and we're going to have padded seats, and we want to make sure this is as much like Walmart as it can be, and then sneak in the Holy Spirit, right? We want to be, but this is a violent wind. So something is happening that is shaking them to the core. It is noticeable. There is something going on in this room. They'd been expecting the Holy Spirit. I'm willing to bet this is not what they expected. It was different. It was better. The Holy Spirit has shown up. And this is so much like God to show up different. Remember, that these people had long expected a Messiah. The Jewish nation, the Hebrew nation, had expected a Savior to come from the nation of Israel, and he was going to be like Joshua. And if you grew up in church, you know Joshua, what he did. He, did what, he fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, right? We all know this. And so Joshua walked around this city seven times, and they're expecting their Savior to be like Joshua, a warrior. And then Jesus shows up, and he's different than they thought, but he's better. He's God in a body. And instead of picking up a sword, he lays down his life. And so it's not unlike God to show up different. And then we see the Spirit shows up. And he shows up in a way that blows their minds. They were expecting someone. This was better. And let me just hit this real quick, by the way. So in that verse, it says they spoke in other tongues. Uh, let's, Let's... Irregardless of what your theology is about like speaking in tongues or, or that gift of the Spirit or private prayer language or however you see that, in this part of the Bible, I don't think that's what they're talking about. Other tongues, in Hebrew and Greek, there's not a different word for language than tongues. And so I think in this part of Acts, they're simply saying they're speaking other languages, like normal, like human languages, uh, because at this point, the nation of Israel was spread out all around the world, but they've come back for Pentecost, for this big festival, and they're joined. They're all Jews, but they speak different languages because they lived in different places for a thousand years. And so by other tongues in this part, they're simply saying they spoke all these different languages that everyone seemed to understand. And so, so that's what's going on here. But now, now let's talk about the fire. The fire is where this gets interesting. Go back to chapter uh, verse 2 again. Suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, let's imagine that we're all sitting here, okay? And suddenly there's a violent wind that blows through. And then you look at your neighbor. Like, go ahead and look at your neighbor right now. 
Now imagine there's fire on their head. Would this, I mean, would this be a normal day in church for you? Excuse me, madam. I couldn't help but notice your head's on fire. I mean, this is kind of, as a matter of fact, the fire marshal is like, no. Dusty Free would not like it if that happened here today, if there was just fire on everyone. And so there, there's something going on here that's unique and distinct. And, different. and so the fire was different than they thought, but should it have been? Should they have expected the fire? So again, if, if, man, if you're new to church and you don't know these stories, I love you. I'm glad you're here. You will over time. But for those of you who've been in church for a while, do y'all remember when God first presented himself to Moses, how he did it? Anyone remember? A bush. And what was that bush doing? Burning fire. So when God presented himself to Moses for the first time, he did it through fire. And then and maybe some of you know this. God led the Israelites from uh, Egypt to Mount Sinai, and it was a cloud by day. What was it at night? Anyone know? A pillar of fire. Interesting. Interesting. And then when God moved from Mount Sinai into the tabernacle, his presence moved through, anyone want to take a wild guess? Fire. He made his presence in the tabernacle. Fire. So it's almost as if every time God marks out a place as sacred and special and unique, there's fire. It's almost as if, biblically speaking, when we see this overlining of heaven and earth, when heaven and earth come together, God often marks that out with fire. God makes places holy, and he demonstrates that with fire. How fascinating. Now let's go back and look at that verse again, okay? Again, Acts, Acts 2. It says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Okay, this, this is beautiful. Keep that one up there for me. Do we have any English majors in the house? Anyone, was anyone an English major in college or an English teacher or anything like that? Were you really? Okay, okay so okay, tell me. Tongues of fire, you English majors. Plural or singular? Good job. Excellent. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that we had experts who would agree with me. Tongues of fire is plural. Let's get... Every other time there's fire present with God. At the burning bush, plural or singular? Singular. Pillar of fire, singular. The fire in the tabernacle, singular. But now something has happened. When God has made his presence known in places, he's done it with a singular fire, and his presence is confined to a singular place. But now it says tongues of fire. And this is different. It's as if... God has taken his presence in a singular place and now distributed it over multiple people. What was in a building is now in me and you. And God has marked this holy ground, this sacred place where he has chosen to establish his presence. He's marked it with fire. Guys, this, this matters so much. This is so important to us. That God's presence, remember when Jesus, before he left, he said, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to leave, but it'll be better for you if I leave. Because something's going to happen. They were confined to time and space because God allowed his presence to be confined to time and space. And I love the way Paul says it in 1 Corinthians, and Paul was a friend of Luke's. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? He's like, don't you remember what happened at Pentecost? That day? Don't, don't you remember? Don't you know 
that you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's in you and you've received him from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Why in the world would God care so much about our bodies? Why would God care so much about our identity? Because your body is the temple of God. And we've got to understand this. There are rules for entering the temple. There were rules for how you interacted in the temple. There were rules for, for how you conducted yourself. God cares about your body because your body is the temple of God. God has chosen to combine heaven and earth in you. Wouldn't it be like him to be different than we thought, but better? You are where heaven and earth come together. When's the last time you thought about that? Did you think about it in traffic the other day? You know, heaven and earth come together. <laughs> and I'm headed to heaven and taking that person with me if they don't move, right? But th- th- this is the formation of the new temple. This, this is such an important turning point. I'm so glad you're here today because you need to know this. This is such an important turning point. Remember, when, when in Genesis, when we see God creates humanity, he's present with humanity. It says in the cool of the day that you're walking with God, right? And like we had this unbroken connection with God. And then sin comes into the world. And we're disconnected from God. And so then God makes his presence known through the tabernacle, through the pillar of fire. And, and, and we continue to sin. And we continue to turn our backs on him. And so then God makes his presence known through God in a body or, what's his name? Jesus. And when Jesus is walking around on the earth, that is the presence of God with us. Then Jesus dies on a cross, resurrects, ascends to heaven, and sends his presence into us. And now, God makes his presence known through you and through me. And this this is one of the coolest things in the whole Bible to me. And there's a lot of cool stuff in this book. But Watch what happens now. This is in verse 5, I think. Verse 5, it says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And why were they all in Jerusalem? It was Pentecost. They were there for this big party. And so Jews are still one group. They're united ethnically, but they live in all different places, speak different languages. They're all together, Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, the violent wind, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one was now hearing their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Like what they're saying is, why can I now understand someone from Galilee? I'm not from Galilee. I don't speak there. Why do I understand them? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Hey, this next word is pronounced Phrygia. Y'all know how I know that? I Googled it. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They said, what does this mean? Some made fun of them. So these guys are drunk. Apparently there were only two options. They were either full of the Holy Spirit or they were drunk. Right? It's got to be one or the other. (laughs) They're either drunk or they got the Spirit. And so they're speaking and everyone's understanding them. And like this, and when he's naming all these different regions, what Luke is saying is everybody was there. That's the whole world. 
He's just named the known universe, okay? He's Jews from all over. Everybody's there. This tribe that was scattered, this tribe that was dispersed, uh, the Jewish people, God created this holy chosen nation of Israel to represent God in the world. And then there was sin and there was famine and there was war and there was all these things. And so the Jews are spread out all throughout the world and they speak different languages. And now they're all brought back together in one place and they're all hearing one message in one language. Do you see something happening here? God is bringing his people back together. God is redeeming what the world had torn apart. God is restoring what was broken. Acts 2, 40. With many other words, he, this is Peter. By the way, we're going to see this in this series. Peter preaches the worst sermons the world had ever heard. But with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. Of those 3,000 guys that were added to the number, were they Jews or Gentiles? They were all Jews. 3,000 Jews are now back together. God has brought them back together. God has reunited his people. In Acts 1-6, we saw a question, and here was the question. As they gathered around and they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And what you just saw in Pentecost was God restoring the kingdom of Israel. God restores his nation. What looked broken, what looked hopeless, what looked like it never, God brings back together and restores wouldn't that be like God? I mean, isn't that what he did for you? Isn't that what he's done for me? Taking all the broken fragments of our lives and brought it back together to create something so beautiful that we never saw it coming. Wouldn't it be like him to be better than you thought? And that's what he's doing here. And that's why I love this part of the Bible so much. It's such a gorgeous thing that's happening. And then, listen, then it's going to tell us, okay, now God says, now this is how I want this nation to live. And listen, listen to how they lived in Acts 2.42. They, this new chosen people, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. I love that so much. You know why I love it? It's simple. Isn't that simple? It was like, all right, so God creates this holy chosen nation, and, and then eventually you and I are going to be grafted into this group, okay? Paul's going to come at some point, and he's going to say, listen, there is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There's just God's people. And so he said, we're all going to be part of this. And then, Paul, and then Luke says, now this is how they lived. They shared. Well, that's not a new idea, right? Most of us teach our kids that at some point. Some of you didn't, but most of us did. Like, so they're sharing everything. They're seeing that, hey, you have a need and I have, so why don't we support each other? They're taking care of each other. You've got a group of saved people who are actually looking out for each other and providing for each other. And they look different in the world. They look different in the world because they actually care about each other. They care about people inside this little group and they care about people outside that group. They're brought together. Their political affiliations didn't divide them, which is amazing. 
Their opinions over masks didn't divide them, which is even more amazing. Their Twitter didn't divide them. No, they're just united around this idea that we are a chosen people called in this world to be spirit-filled and serve Jesus with everything we have. And that's church. That's what church is. That's why we're here. We're here to be these people for the world to see. And God was doing something so incredible through them, through the Holy Spirit. Y'all, y'all know what I see a lot of churches do about the Holy Spirit? Argue about him, right? I love, remember, we got 87 different denominations here today, right? It's growing by the minute because some of you are disagreeing, making up new denominations, right? I know that, right? We're all, we're all, we're all denominations. Matter of fact, I'm convinced that there was only two people left in the world. We'd form different churches, different denominations, and stand on the other side of the street from each other. Like, that's what humans do. And so I see, we all argue. Like, one church says, but the Holy Spirit does this, and the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. And churches divide over, well, the Holy Spirit makes you do not. He, instead of arguing about the Holy Spirit, maybe what we should start doing is living like he's actually in us. Instead of sitting around arguing about what he does and doesn't do, let him do something. Like, I, I know they're going to cast out demons and heal the sick, and I, I don't know if, if God's going to do that through me, but if the Holy Spirit is doing nothing through you, then you should question whether or not the Holy Spirit is in you. He must be doing something, because where he is, is better. Where he is, there's change. Peace and joy and hope, these things begin to happen in you. You, you begin to become more kind. You begin to lo- love those people. Mm. Mm. Right? You begin to love those people. But I used to hate those people. But I love them. It's so weird. And, and then we go out into the world... And the world has an expectation of us, okay? I don't know if you've seen the headlines. We're judgmental. We hate. We're angry. We don't like anybody. We don't even like each other. Right? That's the world's expectation. But then the spirit-filled church goes out into the world, and guess what we do? We look different than they thought, but better. We look like people who hold truth while laying down our lives to people who disagree with us. We look like people who love in a way that makes no sense. We look like people who will go the extra mile. We look like people who will order our lives not around our feelings and emotions, but around the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. And we share what we have. And we all work towards this thing together. God was different, but better. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that I'm going to meet God. He's going to be different than I think. And if you've got him all figured out, he's going to be different than you thought, but better. And Jesus is different, but better. And the Spirit is different, but better. Why shouldn't the church be different, but better? Well, what happens, and I think about this all the time, what happens when we don't give them what they expect, right? When they yell and we love, what happens? When they boycott, they pick it and they do it and we just, we give them water because they're thirsty. What happens when we're different but better? This is the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost. This is the church. It's incredibly 
simple to understand and incredibly difficult to live. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit in us. And listen, if you're sitting here today and you're like, Tommy, there's no evidence of the Spirit in me. Let me the only suggestion I can make, I've realized I can't preach this into you. I can't talk you into it. The only thing I can tell you to do is drop to your knees today and ask the King of the universe to receive your life. For those who have Christ, you have His Spirit. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the grave is in you. Perhaps today we leave this place. We walk out into the world, a world who has expectations of us, and we give them something, something better. Amen? God, I thank you. I thank you for your Spirit. I thank you for, for just, for, for God, this, this amazing moment, this transition where your presence is in us. We are allowed to be the presence bearers of the king of the universe. How am I doing in that? How am I doing in that? Pretty good from 8.30 to 11.30. What about the rest of the week? What would it look like if in our homes this week we were different than they thought but better? In our jobs, in the way we, we, we effort our church, in traffic, at the fast food place, at the cafe. God, you're always better. You're always bigger. You're always more. And this king of the universe has made his presence in us. We didn't deserve it, that's for sure. We couldn't earn it, but you did it. I pray that the God they see in me and in this church is better than they thought. We love you and we trust you. God, will you use this portion of your word to change our lives forever? It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. thought I had you figured out So sure I knew exactly how you'd move Thought my Savior was coming with a sword in his hand To my surprise, he came as a child And wouldn't it be like you to be different than we thought, different than we want, but better, you're better. And wouldn't it be like you to be different than we thought, different than we want, but better, you're better. Savior in a tomb Hope was lost And the doubt was breaking through When you broke the bread I saw the holes in his hands How did I not see Son of God, yet Son of Man 
Don't give up. 
Wouldn't it be like you to be different than we thought, different than we want, but better? If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.